I'm David Kenny, and this is Sanity Check. In 25 years of business, I know that hiring people, launching products, allocating capital, selling and managing yourself is no mean feat. We don't tell you what to do. Instead, we put you in front of the right people, ask them the right questions so that you can find the answers you need. We are here for you. It's time to Sanity Check. Welcome back to part two of the living legend, John Hardy. And if you might remember, John was the CEO of five companies, three of them to in excess of many hundreds of millions of dollars. And the last two are also being sold as well. So let's get back to the selling. John, you're a legend. Thanks for being our superstar guest on Sanity Check. How do you get people to follow a process? How do you get people to understand where the customer is in the buying journey? For me, I always find that, you know, when I, when I develop a sales program for someone, um, I train and train and train it. And then, you know, I know that, first of all, there's the information gathering phase. You know, why is the person, why am I talking to this person? What is their problem? How do I get that information? And how do I use that information to solve their problems? It's like the cricket team, you know, when we, we talked about that. You are fully prepared. You know exactly what you're going to do. If someone said, look, you know, I'm, I'm almost there, but I just need a bit more time or, you know, or I, I want to talk to my other half or whatever it is, then there is a, there is a technique that you use to uncover that and to overcome that objection and, and how you handle that. So, so just hold one sec there because I think this strategy that you use is perfect for enterprise sales. Not just vacuum cleaners or barbecues or... Oh, no. I've, mate, I've used it for shoes. I've used it for everything. Yeah, but you, you, could have, you could have sold anything. And I just think this strategy and how you evolve this conversation, it's just not written down anywhere. It's, this is information that I've pulled out of here and I want the sanity check people to hear this directly from the master. Sorry, I just wanted to quickly get everyone's attention. Enterprise salespeople that sell software to large corporations listen in so there's a thing that i use a formula that i use it's called icdc which is information so you know you get, when you get all your information from the customer and you say what are the the main problems that you're experiencing and then when i've got all that information i crystallize it and i say so just so that i'm clear you're looking for a mattress that's going to give you perfect night's sleep, and when you wake up, you're going to feel relaxed and comfortable, ready for work. Am I right? And I get a yes, I get a confirmation. So now everything I talk about relates to that. So then the, the next bit is I get the information, I crystallise it, then I demonstrate my product. This mattress is because it's got 10,000 pocket springs, they're titanium and they're all, you know, all that stuff. I go through and I prove my point and demonstrate it, and then I make a comparison with other products and say, this is why this product is better for you because it's this. The closing sequences. Now, most people I've found in sales have a fear of closing. You know, you say, well, why didn't you ask for the damn order? And they go, oh, I didn't think they were quite ready yet. Or uh, they just wanted to mull it over. Or, you know, the wrong person's doing the selling in that case. 
So I've made a way in the training that you simplify it. And there are three closing techniques that you use. First one is a trial close. If I'm selling you a barbecue, David, and I said to you, now this barbecue has got, you know, nylon impregnated wheels, they're SKF bearings, they're sealed in grease. You can push this with one finger across your deck and it will move effortlessly and won't make a sound. That's going to make life easier for you, isn't it? And you're going to say no, because I'm going to leave it against the fence. I'm never going to move it. Am I going to spend the next hour talking about those bearings in the wheels? No, I'm going to find something else that's relevant to you. So by using that trial close, I find out whether I'm on track or not. Then when I get an objection, so, oh, no, um, yeah, no, I just really can't afford it at the moment. It's a bit more than I wanted to spend or something like that. So, well, just suppose I could manage this into your budget. That would make life so much easier for you. That would solve all your problems. Am I right? Yes. Let me show you how we have a take-home lay-by, you know, whatever you want to say, finance package or something. Or it might be, oh, I want to, you know, I want to make some comparisons. I want to compare your product with someone else's. Well, just suppose you got another quote from someone else and they were $1 cheaper than me. Which way would you go? I'd probably go with you. And why would you do that? Because the other one's cheaper. It's only a dollar cheaper, but it's cheaper. Oh, no, well, I like this and I like that. So you're back in the conversation again. And then when you overcome those objections, the final close, the last bit of the close, is just as simple as, now, David, do you want to use your credit card or do you want to take advantage of our easy payment system? Which would be the easiest for you? Probably your credit card. So we use that for you, David. Let's fix it up for you. You know, it's just as simple as that. The final close is the easy bit if you've done the other bits. But I learned this the hard way because I, when I started selling vacuum cleaners, I had no training. I had to learn it myself. And I'd learned this over only 40 years of doing it. And, you know, you refine it and refine it and refine it. And you come up with a system that really works for you. And to be honest, I've used it in vacuum cleaners. I've used it in barbecues, furniture, bedding, footwear, like lots of things. And it works. So to me... I guess what you're really breaking it down is to say you're going on a deep dive with them on their pain. They don't want to be sold to because that puts the cynical, the walls up. But they do want their problem solved. They want their problem solved. So all they want to do is they want someone to listen to them. That's right. They want to be heard. And I've got all the products that could solve your problems for you, believe it or not. Yeah. But, but you resist. You resist that, that next closing move until you do a critical thing. That critical thing is to get them to say, yes, that is an absolute urgent and highly motivating pain that I need solved. That's the crystallizing of the information. That's the crystallizing bit. Yeah. So you, you, you're not, because everyone wants to learn, but they don't want to be sold to. But if you get them to confirm their pain, well, they've got no choice but to have the pain solved. That's exactly right. And it's easy to assume that people buy a vacuum cleaner because they want to clean their carpet. But if I said to you, David, what do you lay in bed at night worrying about with your vacuum cleaner at the moment? You know, people say, oh, I don't worry about vacuum cleaner. Well, just suppose there was something. What would be the main thing? If there was just one thing you wanted out of this product, what would it be? And I've had people say, oh, I can't clean the, the corners and edges. So really what you're looking for is something that's going to clean your carpet for you, but get rid of all that dust around the corners and edges. Am I right? Yes. So my whole presentation is focused around their problem. So I understand your pain. 
I would be awake all night worrying about the corners and edges as well. I mean, you've really just got them to emphasise how that they should be sold to without selling to them. That's right. And when you, when you offer a solution to the problem, it's not a high-pressure sale. You know, most people that have your problem, this is what they buy. And the reason they buy this is because they suffer like you suffer. Can't sleep at night, you know, got the bad back. This is the way they, they solve that problem. It's, it's confirmation bias, I guess. Everyone wants to be an individual, but most people do what most other people do. And uh, I use that in my presentation as a lot. I say, well, what most people do is usually leave 50% deposit and pay the balance on delivery or, you know, so would that be, that would be the way you process the sale? Yes, that's fine. Or, you know. So you want to get rid of the trivial, get rid of the trivial. Yeah. Because you don't want to give them any more than one decision. That's right. <laughs> so, so would you, would you prefer it in red or green? Most people, uh, if I've got a lot of red, most people buy it in red. So we fix up a red one for you. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, Look, you've been the CEO of these five companies that have just had outstanding success, but can we talk a little bit about how you recognise opportunities as a CEO as well? Because some of the people listening will be thinking, well, I want to start something and I want to work out what that is. And it's all very well for John. He's built these companies and some of these companies said bugger all when you began. Um, but how do you recognise an opportunity as a CEO? What do you, what do you look at? First of all, I recognise my weaknesses. As you well know, I am not an accounting wizard. Yeah, I can read a balance sheet, but you know, do I understand tax issues? No, I don't, so I come and see you. But I'm not precious enough to think that I know everything about everything. I don't. But I do know where my strengths are. And you know, I, my strengths, I, I think, are in marketing and sales and product and stuff like that. But I find that the best source of information is your customers. You know, me spending four hours a week in a retail store, I can find out more in four hours than I can by reading pages and pages of reports and looking at stats and all of that. I can find out more in four hours in the shop. You know, they might say, oh, Harvey Norman have got this deal or, you know, and you think, I didn't know that, and you, you know, but you, you'll find out more and you'll find out what they want. You know, when I was at barbecues, they weren't making any money at all. Uh, they were they had a pro, they were selling a product, making no margin, thinking that they were doing well. So clearly, we had to get a product that competed with that product. So I would spend hours in the shop filling gas bottles for people, because then I'd say, "Oh, I see you've got one of those barbecues. You know, you're happy with it." Oh, yeah, it's okay. Well, what do you like about it? Oh, you know, it's uh, portable. It doesn't rust. It's really good. What don't you like about it? Uh, the hood doesn't seem to be high enough. It doesn't seem to get hot enough. And I wish it had a thermometer on the front. I thought, I know exactly what I've got to do now. So I went to China <laughs> with a factory I know, and I have a lot of contacts in China, so it wasn't, that wasn't hard to do. And I said, this is the product that's the best-selling product in Australia at the moment. I want to make one, but I want to change it. So we went through all that, and we developed this barbecue. And uh, the thing was certainly a much better margin than the other one that they were selling. And it was a game changer for the business. And we convinced everybody in the, in the place how good it was, showed them how good it was. And uh, it, it changed the business and it saved the business. And just last year, it won the best barbecue in Australia, the Canstar Award. So it was pretty good. 
Yeah, well, you gave people what they asked for and you listened. Two ears, one mouth. Uh, and that's the ratio. <laughs> that's right. Um, so maybe maybe the answer is really for every CEO and, and as you begin, it's really be a pain expert. Yeah. Understand it every which way. Talk to your customers and talk to everyone. You know, I... You know, I'm Mr. Have a Chat. I talk to everyone. You know, talk to people in the street. I talk to everyone. You know, and I you get so much information, and it's free. You don't have to pay for it. It's free. They give it to you. Exactly, and it's and it's real. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, a lot of people will be saying that as they're listening, because I know, you know, the the majority of the our listeners are you know, running things online, etc., and saying, but it's not. I'm not selling a, um, a retail or a, or a physical product. I'm selling online. Um, but really the question to me is, you know, how do you develop and keep customers warm and coming back for more? Because uh, I think that applies in building the brand. It gives you price flexibility. It gives you, uh, I guess, a promoter arrangement. So a lot of people talk about net promoter score and influencers and all the different things that you do to build up your brand in the company. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about how you have developed brand? Because I think that is just timeless information. The first sale that you make with a customer is always the hardest one. The second sale is really the easiest one. Now, if you're selling a product that has a lifespan of 10 years or so, you think, well, I'm only going to keep in contact with this person every 10 years if I'm lucky. So you know, is there a way that you can have a service brand or a, or a method that you can use to keep in touch with the customer? And I think if you can keep in touch with the customer, we, we did this very successfully at Godfrey's. We would service a vacuum cleaner every two years free of charge. Now, things are a bit quiet. You think, oh, what am I going to do today? You know, business is a bit quiet. You ring people up, you say, you know, just, just a courtesy call. Your vacuum cleaner is due for service. I know she didn't bring it back. And they go, oh, geez, I forgot about that. They'd come in, they'd bring their vacuum cleaner in and we would service it for them. That's, that, that was the deal. But while they were there, it was an opportunity to engage with the customer again. You'd say, you know, it's been two years since you bought your vacuum cleaner, you know, and since that two years, look what's new. You know, they have this new whiz-bang attachment that does whatever and, or, you know, or at the very least they'd buy bags, filters, deodorizers, you know, all that sort of stuff. But you kept them engaged so that when... Uh, when they came back, uh, they got used to coming back to you and they got used to talking to you and they'd come back. When it was time to make the 10 years it was up or whenever the cycle was up, they wouldn't even think of going anywhere else. And I think you've got to keep engaged with your customer. But another part of your question that you asked earlier, and I've just finished dealing with a national fashion retailer, they asked me if I'd have a look at their business and they, they said, look, we think our prices are a bit too high on some of our stuff and we're not getting the sales that we should be getting. I went to the shop. Uh, I went to a few of their stores, but I spent four hours outside this shop and I knew exactly what the problem was. Their problem wasn't their prices, their conversion rate. They were getting 20% conversion rate. 20% of the people that walked into that shop, no, these are not people that looked at the, through the window. These are people that crossed the lease line went into the shop and out, out of every 10 that went in, two bought, walked out with a parcel. I thought this, this must be this shop. It couldn't, it couldn't be this bad everywhere. 
And every shop I went to, it was exactly the same. So I went back to the board and said, your problem is not your pricing. Your problem is your conversion rate. And if you can get one of those eight people that are walking out empty-handed to buy at your average price, you'll double your profit. And even the CFO said, you know what you're talking about. That's rubbish, you know. Anyway, so we did the maths, put it all on the board, you know, what does it cost you? What are your overheads? You know, all that. What's your margin? If that went straight, you know, well, after your overheads are paid for, everything goes straight to your bottom line. Yeah, how do people, how do people not get from two to three? <laughs> it's a 50 Doubles your profit. Increase. Like, <laughs> I know. I mean, this is a CFO, mate. Like that, that CFO needs a clip behind the ear. <laughs> well, anyway, anyway, look, they all had their own ideas about things. But anyway, we, we implemented that. And I said, but now I want you to think about this. I want on some of your key lines, I want you to put the price up by $20. That was like... You're the oh, devil. That was, that, was, that was the cardinal sin. And they said, no, people won't buy that. I said, look, let me, let me finish. We put the price up 20 bucks. And I said, and out of that 20 bucks, we're going to give 10 to the salespeople, the kids selling the product for you. And they go, oh, we've tried incentives. It doesn't work. I said, not the John Hardy way. <laughs> let me give them some simple, really simple, basic sales training as well. So we taught them how to ask for the order and how to, how to the process of, you know, and then I got them starting thinking about the 10 bucks. So if you sell one of those an hour, that's another 10 bucks an hour. You're here for six hours, that's 60 bucks a day. You're going to, you know, so all of that stuff. Now, the good news is they're not quite there yet, but they've made such a dramatic improvement. They can't believe the difference. They've got salespeople not leaving them because they're earning a lot more than they could if they went somewhere else. They're very happy. Customers are happy because they're getting served properly and their conversion rate's gone up, you know, so... And they haven't spent one extra cent on marketing. They haven't spent one extra cent on rent or anything else. They're just enjoying banking the profits. But it, it is just that simple. Well, you've got engaged staff. They know they're doing a better job. They, people want to do a good job. They just don't know how sometimes. And the good news is when I walk past the stores, I get rock star treatment. Hi, John. Yeah, thank you. We're doing what you told us. Yeah, we're getting all this money. And, and look at all the I'm making all this money. This is my new iPhone. I bought it out of my commissions. Isn't that good? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and I guess you know, getting people coming back for more and having your – your sales team, I mean, they are your ambassadors. You can spend money on marketing, but those salespeople are your ambassadors. They're giving the last, best, first impression of everything else you did before. And look, how many times have you been to a store and you, you've seen it, you, you're there in response to an ad. Now, the ad has probably cost, now, most people spend about 5% of their budget as, as, as sales, you know, 5% of it goes into marketing. So... You know, for every $200 sale, you've invested $10 in, in marketing costs. Now, if you burn that customer that comes into your store, your next one's cost you 20 bucks. So if you can understand that, the I mean, this is pretty basic stuff, but do you understand that? You say, well, I have an investment in that customer. I'm going to make sure that the salesperson services that customer and does their best to, to solve that customer's problems. And I'm going to reward them for doing it. Like you've, you've got a really good chance of, of getting the result. I call that customer success. And there's a real important role in every business for that. And, you know, living proof of it is it works in, 
you know, big ticket items, you know, we've, I've done that with items that are selling in five and $8,000 each, and I've done it with product that sells for 150 bucks, and it does work. Yeah, and that retention, that uh, retention and these days is referred to as churn and losing a customer, all for not looking after them, all for selling them the wrong product, all for not listening to them. And that's crazy. I mean, it's, if you've got everything else right and the salesperson, often not their fault, just training, have dropped the ball. And it, you're right. It isn't their fault. It's the management's fault because they've spent a fortune on the store, fortune on the product. They've spent a fortune on marketing. They've done overboard catalogs, you know, all that stuff. In the last five yards, that's from the front door to the cash register. They leave it to chance. You know, and someone you think, geez, I hope that kid really does take the customer on the journey. Mm. I'm leaving it to chance, you know. You right? Oh, yeah, that's what I Are you right? <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, I, that, that actually happened to me not that long ago. I went into a store and, the, and these two kids were sitting behind their computer screen and they probably looked at me and probably thought, he's no guy, he's not buying anything anyway. And they said, are you right? I said, I usually am. And, you know, I thought, smart Alec. And uh, they said, well, we're here if you need us, you know. And I thought, oh, my God. Service yourself. That company had just uh, done a, a national catalogue and I know you don't get any change out of $400,000 for that. And, you know, I was there as a response to the, the catalogue. I was sticky beacon having a look at the product because it was a competitive product. But I could have been a customer and I got treated like that. So, John, one last question. Yep. If you lost it all tomorrow. Well. And, I know, it sounds tough. Uh, and you had to start again just using the just the knowledge you have, what would you do? Well, funny you say that um, because I've been looking at a product. I saw this uh, about six or eight months ago. This product is a window cleaner and I reckon I could develop that product into a commercial product that people would buy domestically. This is the best thing I've seen, best new product I've seen for a long time. It's Pretty ordinary at the moment, but with a little bit of help, and I have some really good friends uh, that could help do this in China, and I would I would have the world's best window cleaner uh, that you can clean your whole house in in an hour. And this thing is magic; it is really good. I love it. So, so what do you need, John? Do you need some salespeople around you? Or well, I, I can, what do you need? I, I can get those. I just um, <laughs> I just need a bit of time to develop the product. But if all else fails, everything goes. Um, that's that's my fallback. So I'm, I'm, I will the, the have world, your windows. Your, the world, your windows will be clean under John Hardy's new system. <laughs> that's right. Love it, John. I hope that. You uh, agree with me, and um, and uh, and most importantly, I, I always do, David. Check. I always agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope I hope more importantly that today, what everyone believes is that we've covered that getting your sales right uh, is is absolutely critical. Whether you're marketing led, you're then going to need to close. If you're a sales led, you're going to need to build relationships. If you're a CEO, you need to develop the talent and the team and the right financial model to be able to make the sale, to incentivize the team, to build the customers, to build out the, uh, the, the confidence in the team to be able to sell the product by solving the pain first and pretty much only solving the pain. But 
all those things, I'm just paraphrasing what you said. Yeah. And and so to me, what what I still would love to make the point of is that you're, you're hard to find, John. You're, you, you know, I, mean, I, I know that, you know, I, I can pick the phone up to you and get you to talk, uh, but I want other people to find you. Well, I guess, I guess, you know, when you get to a certain age, you can be a bit selective about what you do, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Bugger everyone else. No, no, look, I've, I've actually asked John, I said, look, I want you to have a chat to a few people because this guy knows stuff that it's just unbelievable. But um, as a result of that, a very good guy that's worked for me for years and years and years said, John, you don't have a profile. And, you know, I thought I looked in the mirror. I said, yes, I do. But uh, that's not what he meant. So he said, I'm going to give you a LinkedIn page. And uh, to be honest, I'm a bit embarrassed about it. He's got Godfrey's ads on it. and He's got all sorts of stuff on it and making me sound like, you know, someone I don't think I am sometimes, but anyway, he's, he's, so I am on LinkedIn. But um, look, I'm really happy to get involved in businesses and help people, and uh, you know, and for me, it's a bit of fun. I I really thoroughly enjoy it. You know, I'm working with a business now; it's a home improvement business, and uh, you know, I, I went out as a salesperson for this business, and someone said to me, um, you know you're still working at your age. And I said, well, I'm actually part-time. And if I, if I get a few good sales, they're going to think you're making me full-time. And they said, I think that company is a wonderful company. Give old people a chance. <laughs> <laughs> now, that to me was a bit of fun. But no, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, keen, I'm keen to help anyone. If, and, and, you know, and for me, it's, it's fun and enjoyable. Well, I, think, I think having John Hardy in your pocket to have a chat you know, look at what's going on in your organisation from culture to your sales team to getting a message right. You'd be crazy not to have a chat and he's, uh, he's available. And, and John, you've uh, very kindly offered to give us a few questions. Yeah. I wish uh, the sanity check uh, uh, will be shared um, on our website. Um, and so please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and give us a rating. Uh, and But look, at the end of the day, what what this podcast is all about is helping people reach a hundred million dollars in revenue. This guy, he's done it five times already. So uh, <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to throw things out there. I'm just going, well, I can only put the right people in front of you. And uh, this is one of them. So John Hardy, I really appreciate your time today. Thanks, You're an absolute, as I said, a, an Australian living treasure. And that is not deference to your age. You're just <laughs> bloody good at what you do. Um, so uh, thank you very much for being on the Sanity Check podcast. Thanks, Ivan. As always, a great pleasure and a bit of fun talking to you as well. So thank you. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. I did. But hey, it's not about me. If you found it helpful, we're only warming up. So if you've got a friend or a colleague who you think needs a Sanity Check, do them a solid and share this with them. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you could give it a review. This will help us reach more people and make sure we get it right for you. I'm David Kenny, and I'll be back in your ears next week for another Sanity Check and done.